Hi there. Welcome to OTs Get Paid, the podcast for OT entrepreneurs, where we learn about everything you need to know to move from thinking like a therapist to acting like a CEO and making good money along the way. Are you curious how to continue to be true to your mission of helping others as an OT and get paid what you're worth? Do you want to know the best tips that add zeros to your bank account? Do you wonder how other OTs do it too? I'm your host, Trish Williams, a Canadian, a mom, a not-so-closet choir nerd, an occupational therapist of over 26 years. I spent most of those years loving my profession, but secretly wishing I could get paid a lot more. Did I feel like I had an important job that had great impact on my clients and society? Check. Did I also wish I could feel validation in that work through getting paid enough to feel financial freedom? Check, check. So finally in my 40s, as a single mom who needed to get real with my income, I built two six-figure businesses including my latest as an OT entrepreneur coach at Trish Williams Consulting. And through this, I heard the secret shame that others felt the same way too. So I'm raising my voice and raising my profile of this issue and probably raising my prices. I'm here to talk about OTs making money. So let's do like Scrooge McDuck and dive into those giant piles of gold coins and get swimming and start this episode. Welcome OT entrepreneurs to episode 49, where we have a special guest with us, Carlin Neek. Many, many, many of you know who Carlin is and the amazing work that she does. She originally started as a an OT who has a mental health private practice, and she decided to take an amazing growth period and add to her ascension model and now has a personal development group coaching program for OTs called Activate Vitality. I have known Carlin for a long time. I am really lucky to get to know her in our sphere. She has been a speaker at the OT Entrepreneur Summit. She has been in uh, some of the programs that I've run. She has done some bonus coaching and really in a very cool way, Carlin and I also live in the same city. So she's one of the people that I knew online that I now also know in person. And we have even had some time in a kayak in Banff National Park in the summer. Carlin is a very, very special person indeed. And one of the things that Carlin does incredibly well is she gets out there. She is very, very visible. And she is always saying yes to opportunities, including this one. Today, we are going to be really getting to the nitty gritty of not only what Carlin does, but trying to find some really incredible language about what happens when OTs get stuck. Carlin has such an incredibly big mental health brain and this amazing vocabulary, and I really wanted to get to the heart of what she meant by when OTs got stuck. And one of the things that Carlin presented on that was so effective in the 100K Club was when high achievers get stuck, when people who are used to being high achievers and they stop feeling good enough. It's not imposter syndrome per se, because if you're in the 100K club or the OTs get paid mastermind, you 
you've taken action, right? You're not stuck. You're not inert in the beginning. You you have you are in the growth and in the scale phase. You have done this before. There's something really incredible about focusing in and identifying when you are an OT who has been an overachiever for much of your life, and that is, <laughs> I think, about 99% of us, and you still feel not good enough. And I think that's so important because at every phase of business, whether you are in the start, the growth, or the scale phase, you will be up-leveling. And there's a certain amount of confusion that happens after you've started and you are in the space of, gosh, I've done this. I'm in the growth phase. I'm making six figures. I'm making, you know, great, good money. I'd like to grow more and do more, but I know how to do this. I've proven that I can do the loop to 100K or close to it, but I'm still not feeling good enough. What Carlin sees is that people typically decide to overprep, and that has gotten people really far in their lives. And there happens to be a time where you can't do that anymore, especially when you're in the growth and the scale phase of your business. That doesn't serve you anymore because that slows you down when you need to be speeding up. Carlin comes up with some amazing strategies on how to solve this. So anybody that identifies, no matter what area of business you are in as an OT entrepreneur, anybody that identifies as an overachiever <laughs> that still feels like they are not good enough at times, this is the episode for you. Welcome, Carlin. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited. So let's jump right in. Carlin, Okay. how do you get paid? Meaning, tell us about you and what you do. Sounds good. I am an OT in Calgary nearby. You, we live in the Hi. same city. Yeah. <laughs> it's snowing here today at the day yeah. we're recording mm-hmm. in blah, April. Blah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but my career has mostly been as a mental health OT, working with adults. And so I have helped a lot of adults who have great jobs and they've been off work for a mental health condition over the years. But what I'm doing more of now is coaching other OTs. And I have taken all those mental health skills that have really helped a lot of high achievers get out of a really deep, dark place into getting back to life, back to work. And it's really fun to do this with OTs who are maybe struggling a bit and take them through to thriving. And that is so, so, so rewarding. I love how you've niched down to OTs, by the way. You know, as a podcast. (laughs) I waffle sometimes. I know. (laughs) It's true, right? It's true, right? I love that it's in your range and my range for now. What other offers do you have? How else do you get paid? I know you have another few ways. I have a book. I self-published the Activate Vitality Personal Development Planner. And that was a really fun thing to do because I actually wanted to do that years ago. I used passion planners quite a bit in my mental health work, helping with behavioral activation, getting people re-engaged in meaningful activity. And I always wished, I was always writing psychoeducation in the the margins and such for my clients. It's always kind of wanted something that I could bring in a lot of the acceptance and commitment therapy that I use with people in both my coaching and my OT practice. I always wanted to put that in a planner and then adjust it so it can be used a little bit more flexibly for therapists, maybe supporting their clients or for clients managing their own personal development in there. So that's available on Amazon, the Activate Vitality Personal Development Planner. 
And I actually ended up, when I was wanting to do the planner, I opted to create a program instead and was advised to hold off on the planner idea, shiny object, Carlin, don't do all the things at once, run your program with some PDFs. And I was very excited when some of the feedback on my first round was these sheets are great, but wouldn't it be awesome if they were in a book? And I said, I know. (laughs) So I looked into self-publishing and got some advice actually from Rafi in one of the the groups. He said, you know, just even printing through Amazon is cheaper. And it's actually a really easy process. And there's some strategy to making it a bestseller by how you communicate it and how you get a bunch of sales on a couple of days. But so it's actually a bestseller at some point. And I have the Activate Vitality personal development program. So that's my main thing right now. I'm doing a little bit of mental health OT privately on the side. And my main thing is coaching OTs in a personal development program called Activate Vitality, Rise and Live Fully. I need to be fully transparent and tell the audience that I have purchased one (laughs) of your planners for my son, who is very into personal development, and he loved it. Not everyone can buy their 19-year-old son (laughs) personal development planner and send it off to them in university. But if you have a teen or somebody in your life (laughs) that you think would benefit from it, I loved it. I sent it off to Charlie. That's All right. awesome. Actually, it came up in parent-teacher interviews once. The no. teacher's like, well, maybe, maybe, do you have a planner or something that you could use to organize yourself? And my son and I looked at each other and he rolled his eyes. <laughs> like a teenager does. <laughs> okay. Can we just talk about that for one second? Because we both have sons and they're yeah. teenagers and they both get yeah. educated in Calgary, different schools. But yeah. a couple of years ago at one of the parent-teacher interviews at one of the schools my kids went to, they had the teachers do like a, a little round table, like all of the teachers in his grade. And <laughs> they sat there and gave the strategies for this, that, and the other. Again, all the teachers going, oh yeah, that's great. Yep. That would work in LA and that would work in science and this, that, and the other. And I turned, I turned to Charlie as like, I'm trying to be like super engaged OT mom. I think this is you can't separate the OT from the parent (laughs) or the person, uh, which is why your programs are so valuable. And I looked at Charlie and I said, wow, those are really great strategies. How do you feel about those strategies, Charlie? (laughs) And the whole table went quiet. See, you're laughing. I didn't know. So funny. And I look at Charlie and he just gets this look on his face. And I turn around, I look at all the teachers and everybody burst out laughing, and then they start making fun of me. One of the teachers, I loved them. I thought they were great. They were like, oh, Charlie, how do you feel about the strategies? (laughs) And then Charlie pipes up. Charlie, how do you feel about blueberries for breakfast? Like, (laughs) Charlie, how do you feel about the route we're taking to school? I was like, all right, I'm being mocked. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I know. I was like, you, you're I'm a great parent, but I I did laugh. So, oh, us OTs. Okay, so we've laughed at ourselves. Moving along. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about your income and Mm -hmm. the income that you've had and the income goals that you have in the coming years. All right. So I needed to switch from my very busy OT mental health practice. Mm -hmm. It was doing really, really well. Like, I was always over, always the six figures for, I think I was only, it wasn't very long that I was less than that. And at its highest, I think I was at about 150. 
Canadian and running off my feet too busy, like trying to hire contractors, trying to do it all. And I didn't enjoy having contractor OTs as much. I liked the mentorship, but I didn't like all the extra admin work and I could hire that out, but that was a lot more work. And there had to be a better way. And so I uh, worked on a lot of different ways to manage that and really decided I needed some passive income. And shocker, there's no such thing. So in 2019, I was starting to look into how... So I, I pulled back and started saying no to more referrals. So I was in the lower end of the six figures at that time because I just couldn't do it all and was saying no to so much work and saying no is hard, especially when you've got great relationships with your referral sources and people really need the unique thing that you do and nobody else is doing exactly what you do. So I was looking into creating an online something, something that would remove my glass ceiling and allow me more flexibility with my time because ultimately that's what I wanted. I'm a better human when I'm working three days a week. So I started looking into things and then the pandemic hit at around a time that I wasn't going to be getting more referrals from my regular referral source and the prep I was doing and not acting on to create an online program needed to come into play. So my income dipped through 2020 as I was not getting referrals from the one place. Everybody was adjusting to the new world and I was building this new thing that wasn't yet making me much money. So I was not in six figures any longer at that point. My husband was laid off for five months and yeah, it was, it was hard. Yeah. We had lots of great government funding here in Canada. And so nobody needed to move. Nobody needed to sell their business, anything like that. So we adjusted and then, and life was cheaper too. We weren't traveling. So that was good. Yeah. And then, yeah, 2021, I was trying to shift from primarily earning from my OT business and having like a little side hustle of coaching. And I was trying to flip that in 21 and just toward the end of 21, I made it. And so now I'm back up closer into those six figures, depending on which currency we're using. Yeah, no um, but yeah, I'd like to get a little further along. I'd love mm -hmm. to be earning 150,000 US again mm -hmm. or start to. That would be great. I'd love mm -hmm. to go to 250. I'd love mm -hmm. to keep growing. There isn't a ceiling now that I'm mm -hmm. offering a one-to-many service. Well, and I think that's so important. And I've started to ask, I always kind of ask that question, but I don't think I did it with any regularity. And now I yeah. am. I'm like, how many hours are you working? How many hours are you working? How many hours are you working? And you know what? I think it'll be interesting. I mean, it's only April as we're recording this, but I'm curious how the year will play out for me as well with gross yeah. as I'm shifting so much on the back end. Because yeah. when you do go one to many, yeah. it becomes a thing. And I'm only working four days a week as well. And yeah. so I just, I love that you've highlighted that for people because I want people to feel that that's normal. And You've heard members of the 100K Club say, yeah, I could be working, making this, but I'd also be working, you know, mm -hmm. seven days a week. And we do not advocate for that in any way no. or shape here. Just because you can earn more doesn't mean you have to. What do you really want? Is it money? Is it lifestyle? Mm -hmm. Is it free time? Do you, I want to be doing pottery every Friday. That's what I'd really like to be doing. Yeah. Uh, well, I want both. I want to be working maybe three days a week eventually, not anytime soon. Four days is great. Usually I actually do work half a day on Friday, but I don't have yeah. to. And yeah. I'd like to make as much money as I can while mm -hmm. doing that. Absolutely. And also not having the world's biggest team. That's another yeah. thing. Like I don't yeah. aspire to managing 20 people. No. I mean, I'd rather yeah. have a cap on income for that. Has well, to be a you. business you enjoy. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's actually a yeah. really good summary. Well done, mental health OT. Good summary. <laughs> so, Carla, not that every day is a joy. Like it's still business. Yeah. It's yes. work. But <laughs> exactly. exactly. If you're not building something that suits you, why on earth are you doing it? Yeah. 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 Getting in touch with that why which is a good segue into what I want to say next about sure. you and ask you next. So, you know, I mean, you and I are really lucky. I get to spend oodles of time with you. I know you really well. I also know that you have a really big presence on social media. I see you just, gosh, you are making cool reels that go viral. You're hosting. One. One. Okay, one <laughs> cool reel that went viral. You've got, I saw you make a reel at Lake Louise yesterday. It looked great. I did. That was, it was fun. Beautiful. It's getting easier. Good for you. We made one when we were, did you make a reel when we were? Kind I don't of, think we were into reels yet when we went kayaking. We, you. <laughs> 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 Carlin and I, yeah, that's, I mean, we even got to spend a day on the, in Banff National Park kayaking. We did a live on your Instagram. That's what we did. We did a live. Yeah. That's what it was from a kayak. <laughs> yes. That was really fun. So, you know, one of the things that I want to make sure we do with this podcast is really get people to understand exactly what you do because you are mm -hmm. so eloquent. You are so prolific. You are one of the people that are out there. You have a lot of visibility. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that what we do today is people that are like, oh yeah, Carlin, I see Carlin all the time. Carlin does. Exactly. Right? Carlin so, doesn't even know what she does. <laughs> Let's try and clarify it. Well, and we can keep talking about that. We can talk about the importance of messaging. So here's what I know. You are this, you're like the personal development behind the professional development. Hey, Trish. Yes, Ashley. As an OT entrepreneur who's just starting to make money, I bet you've thought, oh my gosh, I just got my first few clients. What the heck do I do now? Don't worry. At Therabyte, we have you covered. We heard you and we created intake and consent templates just for you. So you've downloaded the template and now you can say, amazing, I know exactly how to get my clients started. Oh, I wish I'd had this in the beginning. I pulled everything together and needed something this efficient. Okay. So where can listeners find these templates, Ashley? Super easy. The link will be in the show notes. You just hop over to our website, find templates, and you've got your download. Sounds great. Yes. You help people get unstuck. You know, when people are achieving, it's another word we've talked a lot about. And mm -hmm. what OT do you know that's not a high achiever? I don't know any type BOTs at no. all. We are all leveling up. And whether you're a professional, an OT with a professional job, or you're an OT business owner, mm -hmm. we all have that happen to us. Mm -hmm. So when I say you help OTs get unstuck, there's more, right? There's that personal sure. development. There's that, you know, achieving, helping people as they're trying to level up. What yep. do you see is the number one mistake that OTs are making when they find themselves in that place? So I notice that people get stuck at this place of not feeling good enough. So perhaps they've switched into a new area, got a new job, started a new business, expanded their business into a new area. We encounter this, 
I don't know everything here. I'm in a new room and I am not the expert. And that is scary. It must be wrong. And so I see that happening a lot. People sort of responding to that with, I must not be doing the right thing. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, I need to learn more. I need to scale up. That's what I see happening as a mis- as a common stuck point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty universal. Like I would be hard pressed to find any OT that hasn't felt that way. I remember the first time I went to go see a child that had been discharged from the Alberta Children's Hospital mental health unit into my private practice. And I won't say more about diagnoses, but I was terrified. Like pulled the car over, called my bestie in tears saying, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. And now that kid, his dad will find me in the grocery store and pick me up and squeeze me. <laughs> that kid invited me to their birthday parties for years. I learned some Portuguese from mom. Like, yeah. just showing up and doing my best, which was kind of minimal because I nobody knew what to do with this human. They were yeah. a really challenging little person. But... I look back on that, Trish, and I'm like, oh, God, I could show up at their house right now with, like, a paper clip and a crayon and figure out what to do, (laughs) right? Um, So that's a very long-winded way of saying any OT, whether they're in, you know, the business world or professional world or we're speaking clinically, feel that way. And that high achievement gets them into this place where they don't feel good enough. So what do the OTs that you see typically do to try to solve that problem about not feeling good enough. And and so I think your point is really important though. And I want to kind of highlight that it is normal. You encounter a thing that you're not already good at and you have thoughts of not being good enough and your nervous system actually perceives it as danger, right? Like Mm -hmm. you are in danger and you respond in that way, fight, flight, freeze. And so you pulled over, you froze a little bit, but you sought Mm -hmm. out support, right? You sought connection and support, you proceeded. Mm -hmm. And where a lot of people I find go wrong when they encounter that not good enough is they believe their mind. I don't, what are you even doing here? What do you even know? Your mind is telling you all of these things. And then they go into, well, I'm not good enough. So I must go get good enough. So I need to go and maybe not accept the referral. I need to get a master's. I need to get a PhD. I need to take another certification. I need all the certifications. The trick is they still don't feel good enough, even after doing all of that stuff because I think that's not the answer in most cases. Sometimes it is like, you don't want to be acting out of scope. You don't want to be showing up irresponsibly. You don't want to be doing things you don't have any knowledge of, but as an OT, generally, if we focus on function, we don't have to know everything about the diagnosis to manage through that. And so if the solution is not over prep and boy, oh boy, (laughs) have I been there. You and I have gone on record as saying like, we love us some good learning. Absolutely. That's one of my favorite pastimes. It's like my mother-in-law actually asked me on the weekend, she says, do you ever stop working and relax? And I said, I'm very relaxed. <laughs> but I was watching, a, like I was listening to an audio book, a business audio book that I had already read, but I was like taking note and yeah, I love learning. It's fun. Over the holiday where we lived, there was a massive COVID outbreak and I'm talking the winter break and uh, it was also minus one bajillion. And 
I just looked at my coffee table over the holiday and I had like a puzzle and like a gold glass of wine or a cup of tea (laughs) and then like about 10 books and a pad of paper and a pen. And that is like dreamy for me. (laughs) Like, you mean I'm on no timeline and I just get to sit here and like go, like Mm. eat all the info. So I, I point that out because I don't want people listening to think that you and I are built of some extra special yeah. something, something. Like, no. I would love to go into, is it fade or is it freeze? What is it when you just want to sit there? I guess it's freeze when I just want to sit there and just read, 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 read. Listen, it could listen, be freeze. Listen. That could be that can be an avoidance, right? So mm-hmm. the kind of that's we don't want to avoid all of the things that mm-hmm. are hard, right? Yeah. And so seeing a new client is hard. And so yeah. overlearning can be an avoidance strategy. Yeah. yeah. It can be adaptive as well. We can yes. many of the same behaviors are adaptive yes. depending Very good on point. the client. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So okay. So we both readily admit to being a person that does love to over prep it can be a very happy place for us so then what's the solution so the solution is actually to do um and do cautiously do what you can but the confidence does not precede it proceeds the confidence comes after the doing so we need to wade in learn a little wade in but we need to keep moving forward and that's having a growth mindset that's walking in and saying okay I might not know everything in this situation, but I'm sure going to learn and I'm going to learn as I go. And nine times out of 10, right? It's that anticipatory anxiety that gets us and you get into the situation and you, you get into that situation with that client and you're sitting there talking to a kid and I'm like, oh, I know how to talk to a kid. I know how to talk to a family. I know what the next step is. I know what the step after. I don't know what the next five steps are, but I'll figure it out as I go. And so the solution more often than not is doing absolutely learn as you go, but don't jump into over preparation, over education as an avoidance strategy. Mm -hmm. You know, my son won't mind me sharing this, but I realized, and I don't know how, especially as like, you know, clearly from that story, what a wonderful parent I am, but he (laughs) was stuck for a while. And one of the things that came out of it was that really strongly held belief that he had to feel either no feelings or all fantastic feelings oh, to initiate. That's heartbreaking. It yeah. was, I couldn't believe it. Like when he finally got it and he finally mm-hmm. had the skills to be able to, I mean, he's a very communicative kid, thank goodness. Yeah. I really, I couldn't believe it. I mm. thought, how did I miss this? And so I resonate with your work on so many levels, but that's just another example of a 20-year-old. He was 19, I guess, when he finally made that revelation, like supposed to be in the throwing himself. He doesn't have any dopamine. He needs a lot of it. Like go to that party, thrash around, drink, walk home in the middle of the night, like whatever, right? (laughs) Level up all your dopamine, go on a road trip. And yet that feeling of, I need to feel neutral, which is impossible when you're you know, HSP mm-hmm. Charlie, or yeah. you have to just feel good. And I, I'm so grateful I learned that because then it reminds me that the majority of us are not 19. Mm-hmm. The majority of, of us, yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like we know it. So it is hard. 
It took- is. And I think there's been such that culture of toxic positivity has been mm. so loud. And everyone's like, yeah, think positive. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, I'm good. Life's good. Like, great when that's true, but that's actually not our normal state, right? Our normal mm-hmm. state is like a little bit angsty, <laughs> a little bit, you know, like, and cause it's, I'm sure it wasn't your parenting. It's probably a bit like teenage brains are listening more to each other than anything. And, and so there's a lot of that, let's be positive, good vibes only out there. And, and that can be really hurtful, right? You just think, I think of how many things oh, you're okay. How parents often respond to a kid's emotions. You're okay it's all good. You know, I'll ask my husband, Hey, do you want a glass of water? No, I'm good. Well, you don't need to not be good to have a glass of water. (laughs) Right. Like it's how, how many things are subtly worked in that say that we should have positive emotions most of the time. Like it's just, if we're feeling flawed, if we're not, um, if we're feeling flawed, if we're not feeling confident in every situation, it's really hard to get ahead if you think there's something wrong with you. So not only are we making this mistake, Mm -hmm. we have this belief that we need to over-prepare in order to get over the feeling of not feeling good enough. Mm -hmm. And the consequence that comes from that is you're not getting the stuff done that could benefit so many people, including yourself. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like there's this identity that's like Mm -hmm. unwanted. This identity of like, what are the OTs when you first meet them? What are they saying? How do they identify? They're identifying a lot of different ways. But I mean, some of the common themes are lots of HSPs, right? Lots of big feeling OTs. And a lot of us are big feelers. That's what took us into a helping profession. one of our superpowers. um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and for some of them, it's just, it's started to not be a superpower. They're feeling um, a little bit sensitized a lot. Like, and we get to this place in our career, like most of the OTs I work with are 10 to 20 years into their career. They're not new at this, but they're feeling unsettled, uncertain. Where am I going? Where have I been? What fits? What doesn't fit anymore? Trying to do this new thing, but ah, I'm not used to not knowing how to do all the things. And so there's this Actually, I'm seeing a theme of midlife coming into play where we have this natural developmental shift as we leave our highly reproductive years, you know, into kind of late 30s, early 40s and into our 50s where we're less about pleasing everybody else and doing everything on everybody else's terms and more like, well, wait a minute, there's me. And what do I want and need? And who even am I in all of this? And what changes do I need? Like we talked about early in this conversation, right? You would like to be working four days a week, making good money, enjoy sitting and reading a book and having that flexibility. You want to be supporting others in doing the same. I want to be working my three days a week. I want to be doing pottery. I want to be traveling. I want to be there with my family. But what else do I want? I kind of have this vision of getting myself a VW van and having that as the symbol of freedom to like take off and go to the mountains, throw my paddleboard in, camp wherever. And that's very representative of a 
a freedom, right? And that's come in my midlife years. We Gen Xers don't tend to identify with the term midlife. So I've been talking a little more lately about Gen X because we're identifying as that, right? And Gen X is fiercely independent. We're a little angsty, the forgotten generation. We were raised to be told that we can do it all. We can do anything. Um, You can be a fantastic mom and a business owner and a great wife and uh, all the things. And here we are going, whoa, that's a lot of work and I'm not feeling successful at all of it. And is that even reasonable? And and what do I want? And what do I want with the rest of my life? And what's life going to look like in 10 years, maybe with no kids in the house? And I know I'm not getting more specific on my message, but the idea is that there's this unsettled uncertainty and people want to essentially create more fulfillment in their lives. They want to kind of grow into themselves, come to know and love themselves and create a life that is all about that. And so digging in deeply to those whys, if you get into the next room in your career and you're like, okay, but this is hard, but I'm doing this because I have a deep passion about creating freedom and flexibility in my life or about, and actually usually for all of us, it's and, and reaching more people. When I reach more helpers, they help more people. And if I can help them help themselves create a great life, create income streams and businesses that help them help other people without burning out, help them maybe deal with their burnout so they can go do those things, then that's really, really, really a big, powerful why that helps me get through the challenging hows, the Mm -hmm. the challenges, the times my mind says, Carlin, you don't know what you're doing here. Okay, well, let's take another step and figure it out. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd never thought of it before with the tie into, you know, you're seeing more and more people that are coming to you in midlife where I am. And mm-hmm. I'm just pulling thin little strings together. You know, sure. one of the things in order to sh- to make any changes, you do have to shift your belief, right? Mm-hmm. You really do. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure we didn't just talk about the beliefs, but we talked about the identity because mm-hmm. I think those are two separate things, right? And mm-hmm. first of all, I think there's fatigue, <laughs> <laughs> that when you have been that person that's been running the family and, you know, all of these things, it's it looks fatiguing to make another change or be uncomfortable again, right? Yeah. And then on top of it, you are not just shifting your belief that you don't need more mm-hmm. in order to f- feel good enough. You also have to shift your identity from, oh, well, I'm... I run a business this size, or I'm a clinician at this workplace, or whatever the case may be. So or I volunteer at every single field trip. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah, I do it all. Look at me yeah. winning. Yeah, that's true. As I burn out. <laughs> as you burn out, absolutely. <laughs> so then the solution is, as you said, just do the damn thing. You know, you need kind to do of it gently, first. like it's gently. gently. Okay, that's the Trish yeah. version, who is clearly not a mental health therapist. So why don't we leave, put it over to Carlin again? So what's your, I think, how would you, how would you put that through the Carlin filter? <laughs> it's figuring out the next step, or maybe a couple of steps, right? So, is it a new client? Is it starting a business? Okay, what's the first? What's the first easiest thing I need to do? And then I'm going to get there and I'm going to learn a little more. Maybe I need to know three steps, but please do not make a 693 step plan before you take the first step. Take a step, 
get some support, ask some questions, but learn as you go. We are practical problem solvers. We are so good at going into uncertain situations, homes with uncertain, nobody knows what the dynamic is or the, the equipment is or the environment is like, and we are great at that, but we are not so good at it when we are kind of stepping into new things ourselves business-wise or professionally. We kind of feel like we should have it all figured out and not give ourselves the same grace we give ourselves in clinical situations. It's mm, a really good point of view. So we've talked about the problem. We've talked about how people typically solve it. We've mm-hmm. talked about the solution. And then mm-hmm. you are wise enough to go ahead and create your business, which mm-hmm. is the product for that solution. So let's say I'm listening to this podcast and I'm like, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. Like a lot of hell yeses coming up for people. <laughs> Take me in to the first Maybe, you know what, maybe open, this is the way I want to ask the question, maybe like almost open the hood of, mm-hmm. you know, if I felt this way and I was joining Carlin's program, like, what are you going to do with people? Like, where do you go with them? How do you start? What do they get? I'm trying okay. to get really specific here. Sure, sure. So I support them for a whole year because this work can't be done in a couple months, right? It's mm-hmm. deep. It's big. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say people aren't making big changes, but they need support as they change, not just support in starting the change, mm-hmm. right? You need to dig in mm-hmm. deep and get to know yourself first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's that support over a year. But the first step, I send them a planner. They get dig into the modules. There's some Facebook group and some weekly coaching calls. But the first thing is actually getting into the planner and spending a couple of weeks just noting what they did and how it affected them. And so the purpose there is to, there's a suggestion of building a gratitude practice and a mindfulness practice as they get started. So not planning in the planner, but using the planner to say, okay, yeah, this is the stuff I did today. Wow, that was awesome. That gets a bigger orange circle or a sticker or heart or something. And wow, this was the rest of the week was really awful. I, you know, didn't sleep well. I ended up buying junk food for lunch and off I went. And oh, Saturday was great. I did these things that filled my bucket. And so in doing this, this process of looking at the impact of our occupations, the occupational balance, the places we have more control than we think we do. It feels like often our life is running away on us, but if we can be more intentionally aware and build more mindful awareness of how our day-to-day is impacting us and anytime I don't know, we sat in the sunshine, we felt a lot better. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you build a little bit more sitting in the sunshine next week. Could we start there? Or if every time you do something artistic, you feel so much more creative in your work. Okay, how are we going to work that in? Because that's good fuel rather than feeling like you're running on empty because you're doing more of the same. So there's a couple of weeks of reflection. Um, some people resist it because they want to jump in and do stuff, right? Oh gosh, yes. <laughs> Yes. So Where's I, the I homework, Carlin? Get... Where's the homework? Where's the like totally. thing to learn? Where where can I get my gold star? Exactly. Where's my A? Exactly. Yes. And and writing in a book and maybe not doing it right or pretty or right. You see all these beautiful planner spreads and stuff like that. Make it messy. Like I say, write it in there. Like get a coffee ring stain on it. Like this needs to be lived in. Isn't there a um, kid's or it's book not made. about that? Like please destroy this book. Oh, I think it's a journal. Yeah. It's a journal called that. Yeah. I remember my niece and nephew got one, I think. Yep. It's awesome. And and it's getting over that perfectionism. If we can give ourselves permission to do things imperfectly, we can grow a lot. Mm -hmm. But if we only do the things that we're really good at, we don't grow. You stay the same. And maybe that's satisfying for someone, but 
not for most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I think, back to your comment about being such a high achiever. Mm-hmm. My mom used to say this. She used to say, and this is going to, like, take this for, I'm not trying to give myself a backhand a compliment, you know that, but my mom used <laughs> to say, life is actually going to be harder for you in some ways because everything comes to you so easily. And mm-hmm. she said this to me when I was a kid and a teenager. I was like, mm-hmm. you know what would be nice to have in terms of kids? A boy first. Oh, hi, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd like to get into OT school this year. Oh, hi, youngest in the class. Like, you know, <laughs> I, the feedback loop I got from the world for a really long time was, how hard is uh, this? <laughs> it's not that hard. You decide you want to yeah. learn Spanish and you just speak fluent Spanish. Like, yeah. And I think that so many achievers in the space are mm-hmm. used to, let's put it this way, outside of like teenager and all the growth and stuff that's happening, I didn't really hit big growth walls until I was in my 30s. Right. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And things happened like bed rest. And I was yeah, like, wait, yeah. I'm sorry, this doesn't happen to me. <laughs> or, you know, a parent dying or a partner getting laid mm-hmm. off or whatever the case may be. Like up until then, the feedback loop, I mean, don't get me wrong, I worked my butt off, but I also yeah. worked my butt off and got like A pluses. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And I see yeah. this because I'm serving myself up my own personal experience because I think there's so many of us like it. But I'm also presenting a hypothesis to say, I wonder if that's why it does get to be hard for some of us to embrace discomfort. It has to be a habit. And I didn't well, need and to start it's a, for a long time. It's the classic gifted profile, right? Yeah. And so like, it's, we know this about kids. We somehow don't think we remain gifted as adults, but oh, yeah. that's not how it works. <laughs> but <laughs> we <point>. give kids. <laughs> and so it makes total sense, right? That I learned about this through my kids' school, right? That, yes. that this is this is why I actually have my kids in a gifted program so that they hit the wall sooner mm-hmm. so that they don't hit the wall in their second degree or something like that, or in their job, or when they first get to university, I want them to hit challenge sooner so that they'll have more resilience. Right. And, but it's interesting because as you were talking, I was reflecting on my own journey, which wasn't as easy. Mm -hmm. I'm a smart cookie, but I have ADHD. My family didn't have a lot of money. I had to work really hard for a lot of things. And I'm not saying that you had a bunch of money. I'm not saying that at all, but it's, there's some things that didn't come very easily for me. And I, Actually, I don't see, I'm not a big perfectionist. I am in some areas, like my Mm -hmm. perfectionism is more, yeah, it is contained. And Mm -hmm. so I often joked that I'm a good enoughist and it's- You are, you're almost the most type E OT I've ever met. (laughs) When I'm thinking about it out loud, it's super true. And you have that energy, like I'm like the scared- skittish puppy like bah, 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 bah. and I like spending time with you because I'm always like oh I just spend time with Carlin yeah. <laughs> and I mean I'm often freaking out because I've forgotten something sure. or I lost track of a goal or what but like there's things that overwhelm me but those things have helped me and I find it easier because I I do have that experience to bring it to OTs who are more type A and they're like then I could be like oh well did you look at it this way and they go oh, really I never thought to look at it that way. And so there is that sense of that being a bit of my superpower as much as it really gets in the way of creating systems and processes in my business. I need somebody else to do that. that. (laughs) We've been talking about that. We have. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I 
didn't know any of this when I was starting. And I think I share this because I'm hoping it's going to resonate with people as well as the clear steps that Carlin has given mm-hmm. people who are listening today. And that is my why was way bigger than my fear. Yeah. Way bigger. Yeah. And I didn't have a plan B. Like there was no partner. There was no right. like, you know, as I say in the beginning, the pot of gold coins, like that didn't exist. No. And also I kept seeing very clear messages that I had to get comfortable with failure and I was not. And mm-hmm. I don't know where I got this from. Maybe Brooke Castillo Life Coach School a million years ago, but it was keep a list of your top five fails every month. Mm-hmm. And yeah. boy, did that help. In fact, that was a massive turning point for me because what it did was it forced me to fail <laughs> because I'm such an achiever. I was like, I'm damn well going to fill out this list. <laughs> you better believe I'm going to get an A on this list. And it was also a reminder. It was one of the few things I put up like over my computer. And this was in my bricks and mortar years ago because otherwise I never would have failed. I would have just kept trying to get the checks. Yeah. And so it was like almost reverse psychology and I I love me a good challenge. Um, (laughs) And now I can honestly, honestly say five, six, seven years later, maybe longer, I have five fails a day probably. If you're not taking risks and trying things, then you won't fail. What is it? What's the quote about he who doesn't want to be judged? do nothing, say nothing, be nothing, something like that, right? Like the moral of the story is that you have to take risks to grow. And so you need to get comfortable with those not working out that I can recover. I can recover. That was a very practical stuff that worked for me in terms of embracing discomfort. And it really worked for my achiever, like truly. And and I didn't think I could do five and get an A, 100%. So I made it three for the first couple months. (laughs) I'm going to get 100%. I might get three out of five if I start with five. But if I start with three, I mean, I'd knock the cover off that I always have some to spare. Let me lend you some. (laughs) (laughs) Now I do too. But that was something that was really helpful getting me there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I feel as though... Even though I know you really well, I feel as though I have a better idea of the product and the solution that you offer because what you do is universal. Like you've got a clear niche and many to most of us at one point or another fit into that niche. (laughs) My niche is like OT business owners. Like not every OT is going to be a business owner, but I don't remember the last time I had a conversation with an OT where they didn't feel this. And now I even feel like I have a better idea of exactly how you get people there. And that's that's one of the important things that I wanted to to talk about today because I felt like I personally wanted a better understanding of it as well yeah, just yeah. because it's so important. I feel like I was still vague, but I'm glad it seems clearer because I think one of the coaching things I've gotten in is that there needs to be one specific ideal client who wants one specific transformation at one specific point on their journey. Mm. And so an OT who's struggling with some an OT <laughs> who wants to kind of go from struggling with these internal obstacles where they're kind of maybe their own limiting factor or they are struggling with how they fit with what they're doing. They need an OT basically. Um, mm-hmm. And they want to switch to finding more fulfillment and vitality and, and growth and just love in their life. Right. And so helping OTs manage those things, navigate through, figure out who they are and move on to 
loving their life. Basically Mm -hmm. don't have to feel good all the time when you're loving your life, but essentially making it really suit you. That's the journey. And where we're starting often it's, it's an OT in midlife. Often it's somebody who's just got that, ah, something's got to change. I need to change up my occupations basically. And, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure how to do that. And I get scared every time I try to do that and it's disruptive and I'm not good at the new thing. I'm really great at helping that. So well said. So glad we have you in our OT world. (laughs) Thank you. Can we put that on a t-shirt concisely? I don't know. (laughs) That's really, you know what? Good thing you aspire to a VW van because that's one heck of a long bumper sticker. (laughs) All right. Are you ready for some rapid fire questions? Yes, I feel just underprepared, to, but that's just, I was just going to say that, just to serve you up on a platter. Before we press record, Carl was like, can I see the questions? Like, no, isn't this whole thing about not needing to overprepare? Yes. I actually, just, as I was driving. See the questions. <laughs> as I was driving from my last appointment, I was like, ooh, I should find one of Trish's podcasts and check what the last question was. Cheater. But I didn't. <laughs> Look at you embracing discomfort. Okay, here we go. Carlin. What is your biggest personal money splurge? Travel. Yeah. Easy Where are you going to next? Oh, I'm going to Raleigh, North Carolina to visit Blythe. No ways. So tell people who Blythe is. Not my sister. I have a sister named Blythe. She does not live. There's probably four people in the world named Blythe, and one of them is your friend in Raleigh, and one of them is my sister. Okay, tell people about Blythe. I met Blythe at the OT Entrepreneur Summit in Florida, Mm -hmm. and she claimed me as one of her people. (laughs) I love her for it. (laughs) Yeah. So I, she has a neighbor who, and we've built a relationship since Mm -hmm. then. And so she has a neighbor who does like brand story films. And Mm -hmm. so I'm actually going down. It seems really bougie, but honestly, like I can stay with Blythe and I can fly standby for $200. So it's not a big deal, but I'm going to film a brand story film, like a three minute little clip that says with heart what I do. And so, you know how we've been kind of dancing around what I do. She's going to interview a few of my clients. We're going to do some stuff of me talking to people and, you know, some just really kind of show that heart story where people go, oh, now I feel it. I feel what Carlin does. Okay. And it's just so, so, so many things were such OTs. You're like, well, it's not too bougie because God forbid. (laughs) God forbid. I spent a lot of money on myself. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's even perceived by others. And that you're combining your your biggest personal money splurge <laughs> by going well, to tax deduction <laughs> to do some work and visiting another OT. I couldn't love that even more. I think totally. it's fantastic. It's going to be so fun combining all the things together. Oh, I'm so glad. Okay, perfect. What about business related? What's your biggest business money splurge? It's probably split between coaching and building like support, like, and hiring support. Cause mm-hmm. I'm recognizing that. And we've talked about this, right? Like mm-hmm. there are certain things that my brain is spending 80% of the time on it's in, mm-hmm. it's a 20% thing. And it would be a 20% thing for somebody else, but my brain just isn't wired for creating consistency and systems and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And somebody else loves that stuff. And I'd rather be the creative, the personality, the engagement in my business. And so I'm spending money on getting more and more support. I love that. And that is a bold, important CEO Mm -hmm. move. 
It's hard to do because I feel like I'm not quite reaching the financial goals I hoped I'd be at this point, but I don't think I can actually get past here without that support. So weird, isn't it? Yeah. That could be an entire podcast, not just a podcast episode. I mean, an entire podcast on if you spend it, it will grow most of the time. I mean, you have to ask really good ROI Not willy-nilly spending. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You have to ask, but every single solitary time. I just did a podcast episode of it about this. Every single solitary time I've spent money on my business and I've spent a lot of money on coaching. I get it yeah. back. No ifs, ands, or buts. But I also have a, a longer track record of that. It can be scary when you're starting out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. How about paid and unpaid help in your life? Not your work, but your life. We have a cleaning lady. Mm-hmm. That's been great. What else? I've I've actually paid. I had a home organizer coming in here quite regularly for a while. She's fantastic. If anybody's in Calgary, ask me about her. Her name's Brienne. Um, and and it's awesome. And it's interesting actually. She she learned about her ADHD from hanging out with me because no. I was often like the places I would get overwhelmed. She could navigate no problem because there was no emotion for her, and mm. she could empathize with my emotion. And she'd be like, "Okay, Carlin, I've pre-sorted the bin." of paperwork can you then figure out what needs to be tossed whereas if she gave me a bin of papers that I needed to sort through uh, I was paralyzed right but she would pre-sort it into okay these are all your TD things these are all your utilities these are all business things and then it was easier for me to manage right and so paying for that support has been lovely and because she's a finisher and I'm not (laughs) she wants to make sure it looks pretty so she can take a before and after before she leaves and she's very motivated to take all the stuff away and not leave me with homework because she knows it won't get done. See, again, it's the same thing you were talking about earlier with finding somebody. You're buying somebody else's zone of genius and you're buying you're buying back your time. Because yeah. I would, just like you said, there's CEO tasks. There are $10,000 tasks that are not only universal to CEOs, they are also specific to a visionary like yourself. Yeah. Nobody else yeah. can do a podcast like you can. <laughs> Did you notice <laughs> I don't run my own podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be a guest. I want that to be my new job. Perfect. Just yeah, exactly. Well, you're you're killing it right now. But I mean, that's true. I would, and so this, you know, if you get more visibility, if you get more experience with your messaging, if you yeah. come up with an idea for another offer, if you get a client, if you get an affiliate, like whatever comes out of this. Only you could do this. And the chances of this turning into a $10,000 task are, right. are much higher than if you sorted yeah. through paper. And right. I don't know why it took me so flipping long to figure mm. that out. I remember years and years ago, we used to live next door to a very well-known economics professor at the University mm-hmm. of Toronto. Mm-hmm. And at that point, my kid's dad lived with us and he was very successful in the business world. And so my next door neighbor popped his head out mm-hmm. and teased my kid's dad. And he said, cause they were raking leaves in October on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And he said, don't you get paid too much to do that? Mm-hmm. And I remember not understanding. I actually thought it was rude. Yeah. Like I didn't understand it. Yeah. And I mean, the why was really that my kid's dad wanted to play with my kids in the leaves. Totally. It wasn't anything to do with cleaning up the leaves, but it was the first time I ever heard that. And that was probably in like 2001, right? Right. And it has taken me so long, not just to understand it, but to like internalize it. 
that at the end of the day, even resting is worth $30 of somebody coming in an hour. To, Absolutely. You know, or or what's, the, what's the return on the investment of having somebody come and clean your home? Like the calm that a clean home gives me. Yeah. Is and if well we do it, our, oh, totally. Grass doesn't cut itself, but I don't mind cutting the grass. And I don't mind if the grass is a little bit longer, the neighbors do, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but like, you know, I'm putting the money, I'm buying back my time where it really, really counts for me and feeling disorganized, right? Or systems in your own home or whatever that case may be. And really hand in hand with this topic today, Carlin, for anybody that's listening is it takes a lot of energy mm-hmm. to try new things. It gets yeah. a lot of energy to learn new beliefs and a new shift your identity and do the work and the steps that Carlin suggests. And I'd rather people hire out, buy back some of their time. You don't even need to close a deal; like just rest. <laughs> and, and that's it. You don't. You need that reflective time. And if we are busy, 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 which is another avoidance strategy, we don't get time to pause and notice, does this serve me? Do I need to do something different? Is there a better way? Is there something else I should be doing? We need to pause for that. We need a bit of wiggle room for that. Mm, That's a good point. Actually, that's a very good point. That's true. All right. Last question as we are wrapping up. If I could wave my magic money wand and put seven figures into your business right now, what would you spend it on? I want the VW van and I want it. <laughs> I know that doesn't sound like a business thing, but it's a big motivator because it symbolizes if I could be outfitted with systems that allow me that flexibility, that I've created enough consistency, that my business is running smoothly and I can hop in my van and get on, get on some Wi-Fi somewhere and do my coaching calls when that's my time per week and feel like I've filled my bucket and my business has that latitude, not to say that I want to live on the road and leave my family, but that I can choose to do that when I feel called to do that. I love spontaneity. I love getting out and doing things. I love being in nature and and being creative. And so it really symbolizes that freedom and, and flexibility. So I would need the stuff in my business to, I need the systems and processes in my business to create that flow. But I'm already, I don't need seven figures for that, to create mm-hmm. that. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting really close. Mm-hmm. So I guess hiring the people to run that more for me, like fill in the gaps for me. And you'd need a maintenance account. You'd need some money yeah. in the bank. <laughs> To make yeah. sure that your VW van runs smoothly. <laughs> totally. So you could, you could use the leftovers for that. So they've made a new one that they've released in Europe. And they're not going to release it in North America. A camper van. No. VW van. Yeah. Well, so I guess I need money fly. to ship it over. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You were thinking shipping. I was thinking $200 standby to then go and drive through the Alps. Yeah. We live in Alberta. I think you need to ship it. Yeah. We live in a pretty beautiful place of the whole world. And then you could drive it to North Carolina. Yeah. And it's a bad it's get so off. <laughs> <laughs> I can fly for $200. Why would it's I a good point. Come on, Trish. <laughs> so this has been delightful. Thank you so much. I am so excited that you have created a special offer. I feel like such a real podcast host when I say this. You've created a special offer for our listeners, Carlin. Tell the people. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Well, you gave me some good advice on this at another time. But yeah, if anybody listening wants to talk to me, we can have a 20-minute breakthrough session. No charge. This isn't about, hey, I'm going to just spend your 20 minutes trying to sell you something. I'd love to help you break through on something. I love talking to people. I'd love to talk to more people. And so if somebody wants to spend 20 minutes on a breakthrough session with me, shoot me an email, find me on the internet somewhere. I'm not hard to find. And let me know you heard me on Trish's podcast and we can book that breakthrough session. I'm excited. We'll also have links in the show notes to how people can find you. Thank you so much for today. It's such a treat. Thank I'm so you. glad we have another chance to hear. You just have such depth. As I said, you're a wordsmith and yet you also bring just, I don't know, listening to you is like listening to poetry sometimes. It's or like <laughs> this really amazing self-help book that comes to life. It's just Aww. lovely. Thank you, Carlin. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate you and I appreciate the opportunity to talk to your people. And it's so, so many of these wonderful conversations happen while we're not being recorded. Mm-hmm. I think about all the OTs I talked to. I talked to Kelly yesterday, your best mm-hmm. friend. Um, and yeah, so many cool conversations don't get recorded. So it's really neat when we can share these conversations with others. And my favorite mark of a podcast is when I'm listening and I want to jump in the conversation, mm-hmm. but I'm like, oh, that was a good conversation. Thanks for that today. This has been OTs Get Paid, recorded live in Studio C. That's Studio Closet. I'm Trish Williams. If you have feedback on today's episode, send us a DM on IG at OTs Get Paid or join our Facebook group at OTs Get Paid. We would really love to hear from you. We'd also love it if you could subscribe and write a review for the podcast. Each month, I'll pick a random review for a shout out to get your name and business on the air. Until next time. 